0: What is going on, guys? My name is Rohan, and oh, welcome <laughs> back to the Kidman Podcast. That was a terrible accent. Um, my name is not Rohan, but welcome back to the Kidman Podcast. My name is Gareth, and today we're going to be discussing, what do we even call it? It's just the best attacking midfielders, I guess. Um the best, I will go with attacking midfielders because it's not necessarily creative because we didn't include the likes of like a Xavi or an Iniesta because um, they're just generally sat a little bit deeper. But generally, we're talking about anyone from like a second striker to a number 10, even players who occasionally would play on the wing, players who are creative. Um, but would also score goals more so than someone like a Xavi or an Iniesta, for example. Um, I'm sure you get what I mean. Uh, today, joining me, we've got James, aka Doos Football. How are you doing, James?
1: I'm good, mate. How are you?
0: Uh, yeah, not too bad. Not too bad, actually. And also, we've got Eric, aka Big Massive Eric. Um, how are you doing, mate?
2: I'm doing wonderfully well. And I loved the American impersonation. Yeah. Spot on.
0: Wrong hand's not going to be happy about that, but then he's not going to be happy about the fact that Ollie Watkins is in our all-time top five strikers list as well. Go check that one out (laughs) if you haven't already after this one, of course. Um, We'll kick this off just by talking about some honorable mentions because we all have the same top five. So the top five is solidified, which I think is really interesting. It's the first time in one of these lists that that has happened, but there are so many players that could um, get into this. I'm just going to I'm going to ask you two for two honourable mentions from both of you, and then I'll go through a, a list of some other players. James, who have you
1: got? Uh, so I originally had Kaka and Zico.
0: And why didn't they make... Uh, obviously, we all know they're, they're great players, but why did they just miss out for you?
1: So Zico, I don't really know a great deal about. I know I probably know more about his two years at Udnese than I do his entire time at Flamengo, yeah. and even in the Brazil national team. So I can't... I I can't justify putting him in there just by my own knowledge. Um, whereas K- and Kaka, it was just not long enough in comparison mm. to these other players.
0: Yeah, uh, sim- similar to me, like Zico, I really wanted to put in there based on what I've seen from him at World Cups and stuff. But ultimately, it's, it's not enough to go off really. Uh, probably the most entertaining player in here bar the top one for me in terms of what I've seen from them. He was an unbelievable player. But just don't know enough about him, didn't see enough. Um and Kaka, same reason again, just the longevity wasn't quite there. Although again, his his <laughs> his prime was absolutely fantastic. Eric, what about yourself? Two, two from you who just didn't make it. You can use the same ones if you if those are you No, not.
2: we'll be a little creative here. I've gone from Michael Loudrup and I'm gonna throw a little bit of recency. We're gonna go Kevin De Bruyne, the only oh, one who dear. hasn't retired yet.
0: Oh dear. Um defend that second one first.
2: Kevin, just a ridiculous amount of bangers in his locker, breaking records for assists, dominates games like no one else in the modern era in terms of attacking midfielders.
0: For assists? No,
2: 2019 20. Yeah, he got 20. Did he not get one on the final day against Norwich to break the record? Well, that's what goes for. I think that might memory. be one of those
1: where Premier League says he broke the record, but Transfer Mark says he didn't.
0: No, no, no. It's it's one of those where Premier League don't, but Transfer Mark probably have them down as like 22 because they include like winning like penalties. And stuff. I don't yeah. Know,
1: yeah.
0: Um, ah. But then I don't know what Henri did in terms of winning penalties. But yeah, he, he tied officially he tied it anyway. But he, I think he does have the all-time most in the Premier League, if I'm not mistaken. So he does have that I think.
2: Yes. And constantly creating chances as well, if you want to go just yeah. nerdier stats, and I simply think he misses out because sometimes on the international stage, particularly in the last tournament, he didn't turn up, and still hasn't won the Champions League.
0: Didn't he get Michael Laudrup against Canada, even though he's terrible?
2: No way, he got nutmegged by Stefan Eustachio
0: I think I think BBC game. Not him that there's the any match. shame
2: in that. No, <laughs> Stefan Eustachio masterclass. <laughs>
0: Anyway, who's your other one?
2: Michael Loudrup. I think that missing Euro 92 is a bit of a stain on his legacy mm. because he could really have some good all-timer status if he had won the European Championship with Denmark. Wanted to go on that holiday instead. <laughs> Can we blame him? Yes. Who knows?
0: Yeah, no, that, that is definitely... His his legacy could be massively different if not for that. Um, Some other ones I had uh, down. So I had Kaka as well. Um, I had Rivaldo, who obviously won a Ballon d'Or, was absolutely phenomenal at his best, that 2002 World Cup as well. Um, at times, I con- I convinced myself he was better than R9. Really, I think they were just both unbelievable. But um, R9 got all the headlines, but I think Rivaldo was absolutely phenomenal. Totti in that 2006 World Cup, and then for Roma as well, just absolutely phenomenal as well. Meza um, I had in there, I think... If you break down like a bunch of like these uh more modern creative stats, obviously we don't have these stats for uh some of the guys back in the day, but out of these modern ones, like these chances created which have been um uh, t- uh um tallied up, I think Ozil leads or he was leading at least for some time. He's certainly one of the greatest creative players of all time, but again, not not a long, le- not much longevity. Um, Bobby Charlton, I've got something in my eye, it's really bothering me. Um, Bobby Charlton. I put in there as well, as an as Honourable mentioned, phenomenal back in the day. Obviously won the World Cup with England, was probably England's best player, at least best uh, attacking player um, during that World Cup. And then amazing for Man United as well. Rude um, obviously another Ballon d'Or winner, absolutely incredible player. Um, someone who kind of was very good in many different ways at different points in his career. Um, so I like him for that. Zico, as we've spoken about. I put Alfredo Di Stefano um, just as a bit of respect to him after I had a, a rant about him in another episode that we did. Um, Raymond Copper as well, another one from that era who's you know, a yeah. fantastic player. Um, again, those two it's hard to really know just where they would actually rank on this, but certainly phenomenal players who deserve a shout. Dennis Burkamp, another one who's like Second striker, so I thought he just about qualified. Um, Absolutely unbelievable at his best, unbelievable. And then I also put Thomas Muller, who was another one I really wanted to put in my top five, but I just couldn't justify it just because he's played for such a dominant team in a league that at times has been really good and at times has not been so much. So, yeah, but I think his intelligence and stuff is is just unbelievable. I will just address also, before we get into the top five proper, um, there's no Messi in this. He could be someone who could qualify, but we considered him for the wingers list. And there's also no Pelé who again could be in this as he played second striker a lot of the time, but we put him in our strikers list. So that's why he was in there. Um, but for now, let's get into the top five and kicking off. We do have Roberto Baggio. This is one that I I had in. Um, I had him in at third actually, and you, you both had him in at fifth. Um, I thought, yeah, I wondered if people would put him in there. Um, and I, we all did. Um obviously I had him higher. I think he was a phenomenal player, but I'm gonna go to you, James, first. Uh why'd you put him in fifth? Um, and what do you think about him generally?
1: So I'm gonna s I'm gonna talk about like his early start and like his early rise to greatness, and I'll let you go on about his time like Juve, Italy, all that stuff. Yeah. So like I mean, what is that to say about Baggio? I mean, he's technically one of the most gifted players of all time, in my opinion. Mm. However, he's probably the only player on this list that he's he's most well-known for, like a negative thing to happen to him, mm. obviously in 1994, which is quite weird for someone who, of his goals, his ability for to be known for something so bad mm. is quite remarkable. He, he was a phenomenal passer, brilliant at set pieces, scored a lot of goals. For someone who often played out of position, and what I mean by that is, for like Italians, he's probably the last of a luxury player, like a luxury player generation. So he wouldn't have to work as hard, which ended up becoming because he started in the early eighties, played all the way through the eighties and nineties, and that's mm-hmm. the era where like the managers in Italy became obsessed with tactics and hard working, and they play often play a four four two uh, that became popular with Sacchi. That doesn't really help Baggio in that sense because he's not a striker mm. so there's no role for him but the numbers and the trophies don't lie he still worked regardless of this and it's a career that starts age 16 in 1983 and ends age 37 in 2004 it's a long career mm. and it should never have gotten started i don't know if you know the story about this but in 85 aged 18 so he inspired vicenza to promotion in Sedia Chi. And instantly, Fiorentina signed him for 1.4 million euros, which was about one-sixth for the world record transfer fee at the time, mm. which was Maradona to Napoli. So that, for a Serie A-Chi player, is quite incredible. Yeah. Um, but literally two days after agreeing to join Fiorentina, his knee just blows up in a game against uh, Rimini, I think it was. They still agreed to take Baggio, but he misses the first 18 months of Serie A football completely. I was actually told he wouldn't play again. Um, he did, and the first league game that he that he made this first league game for um, Fiorentina, he had a re- he suffered a relapse, and he could out for pretty much the rest of the season. Uh, returned for the last four games of that season, and he actually scored in one of those games, and it's a very iconic game. Gareth, do you know which game it is?
0: No, you tell me.
1: It was Napoli one, Fiorentina one, and it's the game where um, just before. Inter and Juve drop points and Napoli were convert, confirmed Serie A champions for the first time. And what? that's where Badger scored his first Serie A goal. Yeah, uh, when he anyway, said next to me, three... I
0: figured, I figured um, it would be Napoli related, but like I yeah. don't know uh, all the ins and outs quite quite that well. Um, but yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, anyway, the next three seasons, they're just incredible. 88-89, 89-90. He scores 32 goals combined in the league and to like give an example of how good that is he's keeping up with van basten for numbers there mm. and he's doing this for like a lower to mid table fiorentina side he was also and he was also part of the fiorentina side that made the uefa cup final in 1990 which is quite incredible because in the 10 games leading up to the final fiorentina scored 7 goals but only conceded 3 <laughs> crazy and what this does this leads to his uh, he him joining juventus but in between that, it le- he has an Italian 90. And originally, it's Viali and Carnivale Caniv- that starting Strikers. But in the end, they both get dropped for Baggio and Toto Scalacci. And look, Baggio scores a couple of goals in this game. He's not, it- it's all about Scalacci at the end of the day, but he's like made his mark. Mm. And just a little thing on his World Cup. He has a really underrated World Cup record. 16 mm. games and nine goals. And he's only lost one match like in 90 minutes. And that was against Ireland. Yeah, he's never won the World Cup. Yeah,
0: no, it's mad. He obviously uh, that that World Cup, he obviously went to the semi-finals with Italy. Um, they lost on penalties to Argentina, and then they end up beating England in the third place playoff. He scored a lovely goal in that where he just—it's like it's essentially a tapping, but it's a tapping where he's got to like dribble around the keeper first, and then he smashes it in. Um, and it, yeah, it's a very nice goal. Um, I think that was the winning goal as well. Um, and yeah, o- obviously phenomenal player for for Fiorentina went on to play for Juventus um absolutely smashed it for them as well um what i love most about Baggio and myself is uh it is those those games uh, or those seasons for your Fiorentina um a Brescia later in his career where he's still putting up very very respectable numbers especially when you include like the assists in that but then also he's got Taylor this like as well. Yeah, Pirlo was there. Uh, Pep was there for a little while. Like they had a really random squad. It, yeah, uh,
1: Pep. Um, Pep actually told Messi that Baggio was the best player he played with. Yeah, yeah. Um,
0: and I mean, you could debate that with with some of the players that he played with, of course. But um, I think there's certainly a very good argument for it. And I mean, who am I to disagree with Pep ultimately? He also had this random year for Bologna where he got 22 goals and something like, uh, I think he got like 10 assists as well. Um, Again, for like a mid-table side to be just be doing that in like a league which was known for its defence at the time is just phenomenal. And this is why I have him uh, so high, because I think ultimately the leg... And I've kind of gone against my own rule where like, I think a legacy of like a Zidane is obviously greater. But for me, like Baggio is just like, it's one of those things where like he... It's, if you go to Italy and you ask you'll get a lot of people who say he was like on Maradona's level you get a lot of people who say he was above Platini above Zidane and that's what I've put him on my list um, because I, I, maybe it's just because I love him so much I don't know um, but yeah I think if he does win that World Cup in 94 um, certainly his legacy is a lot greater but yeah I don't know I have gone against my own rule just to suit my own little bit of bias there but there we go um, Eric what about yourself
2: no, James summed it up there. I love the longevity, and they're playing from mid-80s down in Serie C all the way to, like, 2004, banging in goals. I think he got 45 goals for Brescia over his three or four seasons there, which 46. for a guy... Got them to <gasps> Europe as well. Mm. Yeah, exactly. For someone who's, you know, 30, late mid to late 30s, that's incredible. There's so many talented players these days who just drop off way too early, but mm. to stretch your career out that long is fantastic. And you do have to wonder if he, that penalty shootout in 1994 had gone their way, would he be someone in contention for like all time 11s? Because he's never someone that you put, you see generally put on the same pedestal as like the absolute greats like Maradona, Zidane, Cruyff. Mm. But if he had a World Cup under his belt where he carried them so hard, the Nigeria game, rounding the keeper, banging it in, it's yep. such a tight angle. It's a ridiculous goal. Yeah. Yeah. He would surely have a. Slightly higher legacy, or even in nineteen ninety they could have mm. got past Argentina, and then yeah, who knows you know, was, I West think West they
1: would Germany. have
0: beaten West Germany, yeah, a work up, up in their own in our um, own own country yeah in the final I think uh, the that. fact that that semi final against Argentina was in Napoli mm-hmm. actually went against them, um if they had held it anywhere else, I think they'd probably win it, um, but Maradona was on a mission, that game obviously doesn't score um, and goes to penalties. But um, he was on a mission that game. Certainly made what, it harder for What's
1: them. What's weird is Baggio for such a long career, his trophy cabinet is pretty weak. And considering hmm. the teams he played for as well. I think it's... I just had a look. It was two Serie A titles, a Coppa Italia, and the UEFA Cup. I know UEFA Cup was a lot more impressive back then. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah.
1: But, like, that...
2: It's surprising. That's all I'll say. Yeah, yeah. he left Juventus right before they won the European Cup. Yeah. With, like, Fabrizio Ravinelli. So that, again would have been very helpful for the legacy.
0: Yeah. Joins, obviously, Milan just after they'd won uh, a few as well. Um, he actually played for both Milan teams, didn't have his best uh, time at those two clubs either. Yeah. Um, but, you know, then goes to Brescia and proves that he's still got it. And obviously had that year at Bologna in between. Um, I, I do wonder with him is if he is someone who is almost better off being like the main man in a team where it's it's all built around him. And maybe, um, I mean, then again, for Juventus, like where there other quality players? He was absolutely fantastic as well. And then for Italy as as well, of course. Um, so maybe I'm just kind of projecting that just based on those few seasons he had in in Milan. Um, but yeah, I, I, I wonder, um, he's he's certainly someone, there's a goal he scored for Brescia, a long ball comes over the top, um, and he takes yeah. it down with a beautiful touch. I think he goes around the goalkeeper and taps it in. Um, it's an unbelievable goal. It's, um, Go it's a it Pirlo
1: assist, and it's in the Dele Alpi. Yeah. I can't remember if it's against Juve or Torino, though. I think it's against Juve.
0: Mm. Yeah, I think it is Juve. Um, but yeah, it's a phenomenal goal, and like his technical ability was absolutely fantastic um we'll move on though um because next up we do have Michel platini um someone who obviously i think he won ballon d'or um he's one of juventus's greatest ever players um in fact uh we've got three juventus players in this list um which is you know hard for me but there you go um yeah, I'm going to let you take this one away, Eric. Um, on on Michelle Platini, um, you had him in fourth. fourth. Yeah, so exa- exactly where he's fallen in our list. Justify yourself. You too as well. Uh, I had him in. F- uh, I had him in. Where do I have him? I had him fifth, and I think James had him third. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Fair fall. enough. Yeah, in his um, in his prime, there in Euro 1984, he completely stole the show. That's got to be. Probably the most incredible individual tournament ever at the European Championships. I believe mm-hmm. he got nine goals, scored in the final, scored the winner, absolute last minute of the semifinals, and like tore it up in the group stage as well. Again, like Baggio, he came very close in both those World Cups, semifinals yeah. in 82 and semifinals in 86. They had the crazy one against West Germany in 82, but yeah. he seemed like someone who just dominated midfield, scored so many important goals from midfield scoring the european cup final against liverpool just absolute boss back in the day i know he had some questionable antics when he was a high up in mm. uefa or fifa whatever it was but now he seemed like such a silky goal scoring midfielder
0: yeah i think um he is he was an absolutely lethal goal scorer um he's another one who like similar to Baggio if you just like watch some of his highlights you really get an idea for just just how good he was you can really imagine obviously we didn't watch any of these players week in week out at the time but you can get an idea for just how good they were from just how many like ridiculous goals they scored I think you're right that that is the greatest ever Euros campaign from a single player um, uh, to get France their first ever major trophy. Um, Absolutely phenomenal. I think um, for me, part of the reason why I had him a bit lower um, is because as great as he was, he kind of had this peak at Juventus. And I don't really know how... I don't know much about the French League back in the day, just how good it was. Um, And he spent a lot of time in those in those leagues. And obviously he then comes to Serie A and he does absolutely fantastically, scores a similar number number of goals. Um but yeah I, I I I basically don't know exactly how good it was. Um so I don't really know the standard he was playing at for most of his career. Um he played for now it's probably pronounced something like Nancy but that's for me for us Brits at least that sounds pretty weird um it's it's spelled nancy i'm sure you know it's not pronounced like that i'm sure saint etienne as well um who were a massive club back in the day um i think have psg taken over their record for most uh Ligo titles at uh, right?
1: the level on ten the, i believe level. yeah so that's yeah. that
0: tells you like they were one of the biggest teams in france at the time um so yeah, he was absolutely smashing it. But yeah, that's why I probably would have put him higher if I knew how good it was or if that league was given more respect. But I just wasn't wasn't too sure. But like, I think... Because when I think of Platini, like... When I think of him versus Baggio, they both have unbelievable primes. But then I see that longevity from Baggio um, and how he he carried these like weaker teams as well. Whereas with Patini, he was, you know, for St. Etienne and Juventus anyway, he was at, you know, one of the strongest teams in the league. um, And then also um, didn't have quite as long um, in terms of at that level. So that's why I didn't put him quite as high. Um, That's why I put him in fifth. But you know, he's still in my top five. I still think he's an unbelievable player, of course. Uh, James, what about yourself?
1: Yeah, so the French League was okay. Like, mm. they were like, they were like semi-final. A semi-final of the European Cup was really good for them. Yeah. Um. But... So like now. But I'm going <laughs> to, um, with the French League, I'm going to kind of give an example of how good he was by using his team as an example compared to others so when he was um really young and he just started out he had a really bad um uh double fracture in his in his right arm and what this did was he obviously he was out for the rest of the season this was like march time and uh non- nancy this is called that were got nancy. relegated nancy, nancy got, rele- got relegated um and this is probably to his benefit because obviously platini now he was would have been 18 17 18 i'd say mm. he was in the second division and he just carried them to the league title. He scored 17 goals. Mm. Um, they finished top of the league. And now they're a newly promoted side in the French, into the French league. His next four seasons at the club, he scored 93 goals and he was voted France French Football of the Year twice. And he also helped the club finish seventh, fourth and sixth, getting them into European football and winning the Coupe de France, which is their first major trophy with Platini scoring the winner. So I... The French League probably wasn't a high standard, but the team he was playing for wasn't very good. Mm. And he was still getting those ridiculous numbers like Baggio at Brescia, Bologna. Um, And then naturally, obviously, 24 years of age, he's going to get picked up by a big boy. And that big boy was champion Saint-Étienne, who at the time, nine-time champions. Mm. Um, And on a personal note, it was very successful. It was a goal machine, formed a great partnership with the Dutch winger, Johnny Rep, but only won one league title in the three years there. And he really underwhelmed in Europe because it was only four or five years before his signing that Saint-Étienne lost the cup final to Bayern.
2: Yeah. Um,
1: yeah, that that did underwhelm, like in terms of trophies. I think they lost two Coupe de France finals as well to Bastia and PSG. Um, yeah. And then in 1982, he moves to UV and this is where you like you notice his world class level, and this is where like the comparisons to Maradona come in.
2: Yeah, so
1: obviously now they're playing in the same league, and they're just tearing it up. He wins the Kappa cannonieri three times in a row, the Ballon d'Or three times in a row, two Serie A titles, some lesser trophies, but most importantly, after losing two European Cup finals, Juventus finally get that one win against Liverpool in '85. Who scores the winner? Platini. But mm. and the the thing is, he actually retires really young, like literally just four days short of his 32nd birthday, he retires. Yeah. But in in club football, he finished with 312 goals in 580 games. You, you, that's ridiculous for his position. And he played, what was it, about five or six years in the steady hour as well?
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, um, absolutely phenomenal for, for what he did um, in Juventus. And, and they had that, that debate back in the 80s. It was Zico, um, at least uh, earlier in the 80s anyway, Zico, Maradona and Platini. Uh, Maradona eventually kind of became the guy that everyone was like, yeah, you, yeah. You, are, you are the best. But that's partially because Platini, uh, obviously 86 was his um, last season where he scored over 10 goals. He had another season after that that wasn't quite as good. But yeah, after that, people kind of just decided Maradona was the best and he kind of won that. But that was partially because Platini and Zico were coming to the end of their careers. Obviously, Maradona is my favorite of the three, so I'll back that. But I will also acknowledge that, um, you know, they, that probably play, played a part in it as well and played it possibly possibly played a part um in why maradona seen as the best of those three when actually all three of them were unbelievable Uh, you know again uh, me as a modern person who wasn't living at the time um i agree with it but i'm obviously influenced by those narratives um as well
2: um i'd love an era now where like the three best players in the world are just like attacking creative midfielders yeah you could use that it's always wingers and strikers
0: We'll move on now to number three, and that is Zinedine Zidane, um, another Frenchman, another former Juventus uh, player. Um, Zizou is, you know, I think everyone loves him because of like the, <laughs> the. I think the character around the player is is a huge part of his legacy. It's not to say he wasn't a phenomenal player. Obviously, he was. He's he's third in our list for a reason. Um, but yeah, I think I think that character around him definitely uh, is something that captures people um and that's probably the thing i love most about zizu is like he was he was a character as much as he was a ph- phenomenal player he's someone i think that like you'll never get another one of and you can say that about all of these players and especially uh who who the guy will be number one um but i think zizu especially like he had such a presence when you watch him, you go back and watch games and stuff, even games he's not playing well in, like he just has this presence that people like respect or the opponents are fearful of and stuff. So absolutely phenomenal player. Um, James, what are your thoughts on Zizou? And you had him in
1: um, fourth. Why do you have him in fourth? Uh, I just kind of went for numbers over moments. Mm. That makes sense. Like Zidane is a moments player. Don't get me wrong. He is probably the most complete out of these the five, I would say, because he could play a multitude of positions mm. um, and he could, like, drop deeper. But with Zidane as well, like, he his all of these players pretty much played in the 10. And Baggio would be a second striker and same with Cruyff, but, like, majority they're a 10. Zidane yeah. would drop deep, he could play out wide. Um, and Zidane, like... The numbers just aren't there, and I know that's not his game. That was definitely not his game, he, especially at Juve. He was playing with two strikers, with uh, Inzaghi and Dalpiero. He just get the ball to them, and then they do, they do the creating, they do the scoring. Mm. Um, but man, Zidane, the moments he has given football, you've got the headbutt, you've got the volley against Leverkusen, you've oh, got the the, the heartbreak. The... No, no, I know <laughs> the, the two goals against England in which uh, was it? Euros, Euro? Euro 2004. Euro 2004, that's it. He's Canadian, he knows that. Um, and I don't. Um, I was one, I remember it <laughs> very well. Um, the dude's just moments, and he's just a class footballer. The this guy is like this guy's a human highlight reel. He is six foot two, he shouldn't be able to do the stuff he, he's able to do. Hmm. Just, he's played for the biggest clubs as well, Juve, Real Madrid. Yeah. What more is it to say about Zidane? He is the ultimate... Blackburn, almost. <laughs> who, sorry? Blackburn, almost. Almost, yes.
2: Played Tim Sherwood was Festival greater. Well. Tim Sherwood, clear, yeah.
1: Yeah, 100%. Yeah, Zidane, like, if he scored more goals, then I would put him there. Then I'd put him top three.
0: Yeah. He is definitely one of these players who, like... Um, like, I, like I was alluding to initially, like the aura around him is definitely a huge part of it, and that was a huge part of his game. Um, and just the the creating, not even in terms of assists, but like just dictating of a game is something he could do well. He was someone who was more inconsistent than I think people, um, who love him would admit. Um, or the or that people who are just caught up by his aura than that than they recognize. Um, because some people would have him like. Some people would have him number one in this list. Some people would have him undeniably number two. Um, Eric, if I'm not mistaken, you you had him number two. I did. Yeah. Um, I mean, I was just saying, some people would have him number two. You tell, tell us why.
2: He just moves me so much. Like, he turns <laughs> up the big moments. If you look at the game against Brazil in the quarterfinals in oh, 2006, yeah. I, yes. kn- I kind of get it because he was, like, in the back of his mind thinking this could be my last ever game. So mm-hmm. he's really turning on the flicks and stuff. But if you look at it, he's just constantly like juggling it around, beating people, gets the winning assist from a free kick super far out. It's just an absolute masterclass. It sums him up so well. He did uh, lose his temper quite a few times. And if he didn't in 2006, yeah. and they could have won that, him having two World Cups as the talisman, mm. that would be like seriously impressive.
0: And to go out on that as well, I think. Cause yeah, mad. as your
2: last ever game, he certainly retired at the top. And, yeah, obviously, as James was saying, he has so many big moments, the volley, two headers in a World Cup final. Mm. Deciding a World Cup final before halftime is, like, ridiculously impressive. Yeah. Because of how just teams are going to... I know that final had some stuff around it, but, no, all around what I've seen from Zanin Zidane is fantastic.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, he's a a one-of-a-kind footballer, truly is, um, as I was saying. He's probably after number 1 he might be my favorite although i do love baggio as well and i do love um Cruyff, who's, who's next on this list i can say that um but spoiler alert <laughs> yeah well we'll get onto him in just in just a minute but yeah um i just want to t- just to touch on like that time at real madrid that's kind of like when i was getting into football and you would just look at that team and it was just you were just awestruck every single time just from the sheer names and stuff obviously they didn't achieve what they could have done. Obviously they won that Champions League with that volley, as you've both mentioned. Um only won the one La Liga title with Real Madrid though, which is just mad to think about like Valencia won um I think was Deportivo it two, two league titles when he was there. Valencia won. Yeah. Um, Couldn't Deportivo. even win a domestic cup. Yeah. Um and, and so the these are things that just, I think like people obviously think of like the World Cup stuff and uh, Champions League final and stuff. But also the he never he lost two Champions League finals before that. So he was a ma- he was a massively big game player of course he was but then there were also times where he wasn't able to get it done as as you know is true for pretty much everyone i can't really think of anyone who didn't um even didier drogba lost finals so um yeah a phenomenal player probably a little overrated i think on the casual um side of things but i think you can definitely argue a place from anywhere between second and fifth i think he has to be in the top five everyone's top five really um but yeah, I, I do think he's a tad overrated um, by by the more casual people. And then in number two, we do have Johan Cruyff. Um, for me, this is the greatest figure in football history. If we're talking about not just what they did as a player, but as a manager um, and other roles behind the scenes. He also was a higher up at Barcelona for a while. Um, yeah not a manager at barcelona and Ajax. um of course he was phenomenal um i think like his overall impact on the game is greater than anyone else's um in the history obviously part of that is things that have been passed on to him some people would argue that Arena, Arenas michels would be the greatest because he's the one who inspired cruyff so therefore he's responsible um but you know cruyff went on to inspire guardiola messi doesn't come out the same way without uh, a cruyff uh, Xavi Iniesta, all that great, probably the greatest team doesn't exist in the way that it did without Cruyff, essentially, is what I'm saying. He's one of my favorite football figures of all time, but we are specifically talking about what he achieved as a player here. Um, that's a good idea for a podcast, actually. The greatest figures in in football, top five. Um, obviously Neil Cruyff, Warnock, uh, he's got to be up there. He's got to be up there. Um, yeah, Cruyff would be in my number one, but I don't know who the others would be. That's anyway, we can do that another time. That's interesting, yeah. Um, Eric, what are your thoughts on Cruyff? You had him in third, obviously just below
2: Zizou. So justify yourself. I don't want to slander him and talk (laughs) negatively compared to Zidane, but I just think Zidane achievement wise and some of the big moments just gets over Cruyff. Cruyff was very close to winning two World Cups. I think in 78, he couldn't go because of personal reasons. If he had gone, they would have had a much stronger chance of beating Argentina. If they had won either of those, again, maybe it would boost him up a little bit. I know that shouldn't determine him as a player, mm. but it does, in fact, alter it is a their, big part like, of someone's greatness, if you know what yeah, I mean. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But no, obviously he was fantastic, early 70s, best player on the planet, had Ajax taking three European cups in a row in the World Cup final. That total football team that he was the heart of didn't even let West Germany touch the ball by the time that they'd made it 1-0 from a penalty. So they were obviously playing fantastic football. Transformed football forever with how they were playing, and he was the main man. Barcelona, again, achieving great things. And some of his highlights, you just see him sending people for hot dogs with the Cruyff turn. (laughs) Back then, defenders just overcommitted way more, but it looks completely filthy.
0: Yeah, no, I think... um people often will credit that Brazil 1970 team with changing football um, because obviously Brazil was always a fantastic team, but the 66 World Cup, they got found out a bit by the Europeans, uh, the physicality and the defensive nature. And before that they were, there was obviously some intelligent play to their game. I'm not trying to say there wasn't, Um, but it was much more just, you know, we've got great players and we're going to go for it. It became a bit more tactical as we came into the late sixties, early seventies. And there are a lot of similarities with the Ajax team and that Brazil team. Um, and I think, um, I don't know how much Di has spoken about this, um, but I think he takes a lot of inspiration. I know he spoke about uh, looking at Europeans, how they play um, to adapt. To... What is this? Oh, that was, that's not... um Something just popped up on my computer. Um yeah, to adapt, uh, to be ready to tackle the Europeans um, uh, come that 70 World Cup. And, yeah, I think the IX team in the late 60s would have been one of those that they were certainly taking inspiration from, Um and then going into the early 70s as well, um, he was absolutely phenomenal. Obviously, he moves to Barcelona, and I think he won them their first league title in something like 12 years or something. Uh, 14. 14 years, exactly, yeah. Um, so he was a massive catalyst in changing the fortunes of Barcelona. He didn't achieve everything he could have done, um, I think, at, with Barca. Uh, I think he probably could have achieved a bit more, um, only won the league, one league title, although it was a lot harder for Barca back in those days. And he was part of the reason, not just as a player, but also as a manager, as I spoke about before, as to how they became um, what they became, essentially. But one La Liga, one Copa del Rey probably could have done a little bit more. But what he did at Ajax, winning those those three European Cups in a row, just absolutely phenomenal. Um, then I'm going to let uh, James speak about the, the nord stuff because he did a great video about it but yeah I think just um, also finishing third at the Euros in 76 was another one he came close to winning um, at, on the international stage and it's a shame that, that that it is a massive shame that that Netherlands team never won anything internationally because they're famously kind of often praised as the greatest international team to never win a major trophy um, but yeah James I'll let you give your thoughts and uh, especially Talk about his uh, his later part of his career, which is still phenomenal, Uh, uh, very impressive. I think.
1: Yeah, I think that seventy four. It's a real catalyst in football because it's the World Cup where like Brazil and Argentina don't do very well. Mm. Um, They kind of get found out, and it's because of total football. They have they have absolutely no idea what's going to happen. Mm. Like they they I think they was it Argentina who played or Brazil who played uh, the Netherlands in that in this World Cup. And they get smashed from like four uh, nil. They, they definitely they smashed Argentina. I think they
0: played both of them. They would have
2: been the semi. I think they played... would have been the semi final. I think semi final. I, yeah, I think didn't do I think well. they
0: beat Argentina like four nil, four one, and then Brazil like two nil. But ap- yeah. in terms of the actual play, absolutely smashed both of them.
1: Yeah, they they couldn't. They just couldn't compete with the fitness. They couldn't and um, they couldn't when you see the videos of like the Dutch side just like piling on these players. Mm. They could not compete with it. And yeah. I think it helps Argentina uh, in '78 because they 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 get a bit of a better understanding, and obviously nefarious means help yeah. them as well. Um, <laughs> Possible uh, corruption, uh, yeah, no, yeah. Um, but phenomenal player, eight league titles for Ajax, three European cups, three Ballon d'Ors. Does what he does at Barca. Obviously, the figure that he is in football is incredible, and yeah, this time. Uh, Feyenoord. So he's at Ajax for two two seasons. I think he wins two league titles.
0: uh, Just quickly, that's after he goes to America, has a random league a year in the second division in Spain, goes back over to um, America, and then comes back to a a top European league at the time uh, in the Eredivisie. Um, So yeah, take it away.
1: Yeah, so quickly without Levante, he was heavily linked to uh, Leicester City at the time. He could have gone to Leicester. Mm. Instead, he went to the second division in Spain. Don't know why. Um, yeah, he he. so he's at Ajax. Uh, he is currently 36 years of age at the end of his second second season, second stint there. Um, and they say to him, um, we're going to cut your pay. So originally they paid him his wage and then a portion of the gate money. But they weren't going to give him any of the gate money because they thought he was too old. They wanted him to leave. Fair enough. He's kind of like his personality. He's so overbearing. Like, mm. <laughs> you, can, you can imagine him being a burden. Um yeah. Obviously, he does not take very well to this. So he goes, all right, then, I'm going to go to your biggest rivals, Feyenoord. Um, and th- this is not welcomed. The- there is not much fanfare. Like, there are they're banners saying, like, Cruyff, go back to Amsterdam, stuff like that. They don't actually want him there because although he is the great Johan Cruyff, he is Ajax's great Johan Cruyff. He's not mm. Feyenoord's great Johan Cruyff. Um, but he just turns them completely they they lose I think they lose 8-2 to Ajax early on early on the season yeah and he just says yeah so what it's two points so what it you know it doesn't matter if it's 1-0 8-2 it's two points and this kind of galvanizes the team because it gives them that confidence that they haven't had for a while like they hadn't won the league for I anywhere between I think it was like anywhere between 10 and 15 years I believe Mm. um and all of a sudden, they're this loser mentality, they don't have that anymore because they have Cruyff and they have a young Rude Hullet. They have Peter Hoekstra. They have this phenomenal attack and Cruyff is, is the orchestrator. He leads it. He scores 11 goals in the league and then they go and win that league title. He even scores against Ajax and that is how he ends his career. You know, just showing Ajax, hey, look, I am still great. Leave yeah. it on the top. And I think he wins the uh, k and Cup as well. Yeah, he won the double. Yeah. Like, <laughs> ridiculous.
0: Yeah, Um it, it is great. It's interesting. Um at Barcelona, the entire club is still uh, less so these days because it's getting more and more corrupt. But it, it's it's steeped in Cruyff's oh, vision, yeah. ultimately. The whole more than a club thing is very much something that Cruyff um, helped really garner in within that club. And obviously, Barcelona forever has stood for much more than just football, um, but Cruyff was someone who really took to the Catalan spirit and stuff like that. Um, whereas you go to Ajax, and there is this split um, legacy for him. Obviously, everyone acknowledges his greatness, and I think when he passed, all the, all the ill feelings went uh, for anyone who was still clinging on to them. I think ultimately, after a certain amount of time, when he came back and was manager and was a successful manager for them, I think most people kind of got over it, but... Even even to this day, there is still like some feelings about that that moved to Fire Nord. So it's funny where like people would think his greatest legacy is at Ajax, but I think where he was more loved um, in in his later years for sure would have been but Barcelona. When I say later years, I mean like um, after he retired, um, would have been Barcelona. It's where like I think they they. Um, celebrate him more, if anything. Um, obviously, Ajax again—they've they've named their stadium after him. He became manager, and it, it was all fine in the end. But um, <laughs> it was certainly—it's a, a funny thing. And he's got a very interesting personality. Um, my, one of my best friends is Dutch. Um, he's a, uh, a well, he's an Arsenal fan, but he's an Ajax fan as well. Um, and yeah, he—it's very interesting talking to him because I just love Cruyff, um, and I just kind of accept all these things. But in the Netherlands, he. This thing about his personality and stuff is is a big thing. They very much know like there are these two sides to him and um, they're very realistic about that. In my head, he's just amazing. He can do no wrong. Um, obviously, the 1994 Champions League final where he's being very cocky and disrespectful to Milan came back to bite him in the ass. So that could happen at times. But um, still, I think he's a phenomenal figure. We'll move on now to number one, Diego Maradona. Diego Armando Maradona, the greatest footballer of all time. Undeniably, I think. Um, at least in terms of like attacking the fielders. Bentner. Well, yeah, Benton is, Benton is up there, but he's a striker. For this list, it is Diego Armando Maradona. <laughs> um, my favourite footballer of all time. So I'm going to let you two speak on it first um, and then I'll, I'll come back and have probably have a little bit of a rant about how much I love him. Um, Eric, let's go with yourself. We all had him in first. This is, I think, the one we all agreed on. Um, we all agreed Diego Maradona was first. I think... One thing I'll say about Cruyff, actually, just to finish Cruyff, if he had won that World Cup, I think there's a very good argument to say he was above Maradona, but that World Cup for Maradona just solidifies it undeniably, I think. Uh, Eric, your thoughts on Maradona?
2: Yeah, for sure. 1986, one of the greatest individual World Cups ever from him. I think I know he did interest. score with his hand, but the amount of goals where he just picks it up and goes through everyone, two against Belgium in the semifinal, creating mm-hmm. the winner in the final, obviously the goal of the century, Belgium were actually kind of robbed in that semifinal. They had a few dodgy offside calls that were miles onside. Besides the point. Well, well, coming... well. you forget how decent Belgium were in that era. Yeah they... yeah, they were actually quite good. It was actually daylight robbery. He also created a chance in that semifinal for Valdano that he put over the bar from about six yards out. And then Napoli coming there, winning the Scudetto, being the talisman at Barcelona, he was tearing it up. He's another one lot of things. Yeah, his ankle That's true. He's another one who had a feisty side about him getting in that scrap with <laughs> the athletic Bilbao players in the like 1984 final. And he yeah. was still doing it even when he seemed past it in 94. I know he, he got sent home, but that goal against Greece was phenomenal. Yeah, I've never seen someone's eyes open that wide <laughs> and their mouth open that wide either. And in the 1990 World Cup, I believe he was uh, the bronze ball, third best player in the tournament. hmm so he's consistently doing it over the years. Yeah. Just unreal watching his highlights the way he, the low center of gravity, way he gets past people, chance creation, wonder goals. He's got it all in his locker. There's a reason his initials spell out. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> That's such a good line. I'm looking um, at it right here. I'm like, yep. <laughs> uh,
0: James, what, what about yourself? Um, I know you've, you you love that uh, little scrap in the final. Uh, with So if you can shine some light on that, that'd be good. But just your general thoughts on Diego.
1: Yeah, Maradona is one of the three footballing aliens with uh, Pelé and uh, Lionel Messi. Maybe you can add R9 into that. Maybe. But yeah, he, he clearly didn't have a need. Yeah, I think Ronaldo, you should, you know, R9, you should definitely... I mean, like he he had a knee, and it and it broke, so he was clearly mm. human. Right. Yeah. Um, but um, I say that Maradona had an ankle uh, that got broken. Um, yeah, but he came back from it. Yeah, true. Uh, <laughs> uh, I mean, this dude was ridiculous. Like even at a young age, like his mm. record for Argentinos Juniors, who hadn't won anything, I believe, when he was playing for them, 166 mm. games, 116 goals. He was in when he was 20 in his final season. He just bags 43 goals in forty-five games. Just like that. Yeah, it's what it is. Yeah. Uh Moose. Sheffield United were sniffing. <laughs> Can you imagine? Like oh, seriously, God. could you like, crazy? Tottenham uh, won knew... him as
0: well. Him and uh uh oh, yeah, yeah, oh, exactly. Yeah. That they would those be, That would just
1: be like embarrassing though, like, no no one cares. So uh, um, if
0: if he won something with Tottenham, he would oh.
1: Yeah, that would be a miracle. <laughs> oh my <Yeah>. goodness. <laughs> um, Yeah, he only has one season at Barca. For some reason, I thought he had more. Um, Well, he went back to them later on, of course. Later, I suppose so, yeah. 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 I mean, he kills it there, 28 goals. Um, Then he moves to Barca, which you think would be a really, really like ideal signing. But Mm. his issue was the manager, Udo Latek. Now, you can imagine he's a pre-war born German manager. Those are, personality-wise, they're just going to clash You've got Maradona who loves to go out, loves to party. Does he want to do training? It ah, doesn't matter. He'll just perform on the pitch anyway. Whereas La- Lat obviously strict disciplinarian. Mm. It didn't work. They had a they had an all right season in his first season. He won like two cups, but they finished fourth in the league. Um, and then it's a shame, really, next season, because they he gets the manager he likes, Minotti, who was the 78 manager in the World Cup. Mm. And then he gets that bad injury from Andoni Goikajia. <laughs> um and it kind of it doesn't does it kill the season it's sort of for him it does they would have won they would have won the league if he had yeah they they um... would have absolutely won the league but he still has a fantastic record in the season Hmm. um but it just that final is is just crazy (laughs) I've never seen anything like it (laughs) it's just like i mean i get why he does it because i believe he gets racially abused is that correct he gets all sorts of a, a,
0: abuse. So there's things about his mother, probably yeah. things about yeah, you know, him being like,
2: you know, um and just getting clattered all game, like all game. On, yeah. yeah. Like yeah, if people were... think like Eden Hazard or Grealish gets picked on with fouls, oh. like I couldn't even imagine back then.
0: They weren't just fouling
2: him, they were literally oh, yeah. kicking him. <laughs> yeah. And so much less harsh with like red cards and yellow yeah. cards. And and like the,
1: the the thing is, it happens in front of the king as well. Like yeah. He he, he kind of just has to go. And it, it it look he'd had a bad injury he had a he had a decent first season under a manager he didn't like it clearly wasn't the best time like I think this is where he first gets like introduced to like narcotics as well, and the, mm. the, I think it's around here um <laughs> obviously he moves to Napoli, Gareth, I'll let you talk about Napoli because you know way more about it than I do, so yeah,
0: I mean, he comes into Napoli uh world record fee. they have to do a lot to shift around to be able to sort that out effectively but the way they saw it is if we
1: can get this guy in he can take us to heights we've never gone to before can i just put in there quickly i think they i think they had to get like the mayor's permission to spend that amount of money
0: yeah there's (laughs) i can't remember all the details exactly but there's like quite a few things they had to do to like (laughs) actually sort out the the payment for maradona um, but yeah, they just saw it as if we can get this guy, look, he's going to take us. And I don't even think they could have imagined that he what he could have done. Um, it was a great team Napoli had uh, or that they built around him. Um, you know, you've got players like Chiro Ferreira, who's a f- fantastic defender. Um, you've got Carreca, who's the striker, who I absolutely love as well. You've got some really good players in there. Who, but like, ultimately, these aren't players that um, you would expect to be winning. The league, I think, uh, oh, it's hard to say because they obviously then went on to do it. But Maradona was with them. Um, essentially, if you replace Maradona with a very good, but not like basically, you don't put like I think Platini could have done it potentially. I think um, uh, someone like a Roberto Baggio, we spoke about, like players like this probably could have done it in in that role as well um but the thing great thing about maradona at napoli especially um if you ever get the chance um to watch like some full games of him at napoli um it's the same for argentina but especially at napoli like it's not just the goals he scored where he's got like all these great free kicks lovely um uh finishes from outside the box so there's there's a great chip he does um as well there's so many great goals he scored but it's not just those it's like just the sheer amount of like times he created a goal Uh, be that through an assist or like pre-assist the way he was running games as well like they effectively get the ball into Maradona he can beat a couple of guys get through the midfield play it out wide and then maybe it's a cross into the box or maybe they work it around a bit more like the the game went through him effectively and it's like it's so hard to actually like you have to kind of see it to really understand truly how good he is I don't think I'd ever be able to do it justice um I wish I could have seen like Every game watching him live because I've only seen like the odd ones from like obviously, and it's always like the famous ones, are the ones which I've seen are the ones where he's done well. So maybe if you're watching it week to week, there are some where he doesn't do anything, I'm sure, like there are with every player, even Messi's had games like those, you know. Um, but my favorite, my favorite of all is the UEFA Cup final, it's two legged tie, um, and He's involved directly in four out of the five goals that Napoli scored across the two legs, but it's his all-round play. He creates so many chances, and it's just absolutely phenomenal. I would definitely recommend, if you are someone who enjoys going out and watching those older games, um, or if you just really want to appreciate or learn how good Maradona was, you can watch those World Cup games, of course you can, but I think that UEFA Cup final for Napoli is absolutely phenomenal. Um, Obviously, he takes them on to win uh, the two Serie A titles, there's potentially could have been a third. There's this story and we don't know what the truth is, but the the way the story goes is Napoli won the Serie A title in 1987. And at the time, as far as I'm aware, all legal betting was, f- it was very, very fixed. So
1: people didn't really like betting legally. Uh, so do you want me to tell you how, how quickly how it worked? Yeah, go ahead. So it's called Toto Calcio. And the only way you could bet legally, because it's the same as like the Tottenham scandal. It literally, you could only bet on... You can only do accumulators, basically. So yeah. the, I think I've, I think you could bet on like 12 games, but you had to bet on all 12 games. That was the yeah. only way to legally bet.
0: Yeah, which obviously then it's very unlikely that you're going to get things right. Um. So obviously, uh, with it being Italy, especially Southern Italy, uh, there was a lot of uh, black market stuff. And one of those things that was very big was black market betting. Um. Now, these people, they had a lot of power uh, throughout Italy, And as the story goes, Napoli could have won the the league title the next season. And they certainly had a good enough team to do it because they'd done it the year before. um, And they went on to do it again with a slightly different team, but still uh, large parts of the team were still there. Um, And they went on to win the UEFA Cup, for example. So they certainly had a good enough team. Um, And as the story goes, effectively, these people stopped (laughs) Stop Napoli, uh, potentially bribing Maradona, uh, some other players to just not be as good, basically. Um, obviously in that season, uh, the 87 season, they actually won the double, not just the the Serie A title. Um, so yeah, he could have had three. Again, that's just a nice little story. Um, when I went to Napoli recently, I met up with uh, my friend uh, Daniele and he was telling me uh, about what, you know, obviously he he's too young, but back in the day when Argentina won, the world cup napoli don't always uh love not everyone in napoli loves italy basically um but essentially napoli became uh supporters of argentina during that world cup a lot of them the same even at italian it even when it, italy were playing argentina in naples um but yeah so he essentially won a world cup for napoli as well the napoli fans see that as as theirs uh and they also celebrated messi's as well because they just support argentina as like a <laughs> as their national team a lot of the people do anyway uh don't want to speak for everyone so that just shows you how good he was at that time that was when he was really coming into his peak 86 to that 90 1990 was his absolute prime i think um, yeah
1: I, i'm i'm just looking now from like his first from 86 to uh his when was his last league title 1990 yeah, for for Napoli. Yeah, their, their league positions were first, second, second, first. Yeah. You got them to that level.
0: Yeah, exactly. And like I say, they probably could have won, um, uh, the eighty-eight one as well. Um, it, Maradona actually scored more goals in that season as well. So maybe he wasn't the one that was bribed. But uh, yeah, H- certainly,
1: Carrera were the two top scorers that season. Yeah.
0: Oh. Um, so yeah, basically, essentially, he he took Napoli to new heights. Um, and it's still something that they've never really matched. Um, obviously, this season, almost certainly going to win the Scudetto again. They won a couple of Coppa Italia's um, uh, since then, never won anything in Europe. Um, hopefully, again, Champions League this season. Um, that would be the greatest season Napoli's ever had. But outside of that, this is the greatest they've ever had. Um, and it all comes from Maradona. Um, essentially, again, other players. I don't want to play down the t- the other players because there were some phenomenal players in there. But yeah, after that, obviously, we've got um, some doping issues, um, and you've got he you come into like he gets a ban, um, so then he eventually leaves. Um, he go, he turns up at Sevilla, does all right there, um, and then he comes in ultimately to the '94 World Cup. He's not quite what he was. Still scores that great goals. Eric said. <laughs> against uh greece but then gets done for doping again he was very happy about it he was very he was over the moon <laughs> um he was
1: he was he was off this planet you could say um i yeah. I just had a look napoli's a chairman from that uh 86 87 season is still alive there you go wow 91 oh, yes. years of age corrado S- ferliano Ferle- still- fair play still kicking um yep.
0: But yeah, obviously, then he goes back to Newell's Old Boys. Uh, well, back to Argentina with Newell's Old Boys, and then retires with Boca Juniors. Not quite at the same level, but some of those, some of the goals he did score there are very nice to look up. He's got some nice little free kicks and stuff. Um, yeah, and I think he scored in his last ever game. Um, I can't remember. Uh, it might be like one before uh, his last game in ninety ninety seven ninety eight season. But yeah, he had a like unbelievable career. We couldn't really properly do it justice. Um, because you, you probably need a well, there is a full-on documentary out there if you want to go and watch it. But
1: yeah, um, my say, favorite with, with this top five, the, the the number ten position is the only position where you have to look good. Like mm. everywhere else, you can look pretty rubbish, but as long as you're good at your one thing, you can get away with it. The number ten, you have to look good, and all yeah. of these all of these players look immense when you watch them. Yeah, like they are the best player by a mile.
0: Yeah, I think as well, you've got to be good at a lot of different things. You've got to be good at dribbling, got to be good, at least decent at goal scoring. Obviously, Zidane wasn't the most prolific goal scorer, but he, he did still chip in. Um, obviously, creative. Social awareness,
1: great passing, things like yeah, that. Yeah,
0: creativity, you've got to be bang on. So so many different things, whereas like if you're a striker, if you just score loads of goals, you're going to get to a certain level.
2: If you're a in defender. Target. Yeah, exactly. Um, the greatest, worst player of all time. <laughs> <laughs> But I just yeah. want to drop this in here. My dad has seen Maradona a few times because he went to a couple Napoli games in the late 80s mm. and he said it, he'd never seen anything like it. He's, he still believes Maradona's the goat, which I can respect that.
1: Mm. He, I'm so jealous.
2: My dad pulled up to Naples with this giant camera. Everyone thought he was a journalist, let him sit at the front, just front <laughs> row. Except it was, I think it was the nil nil stinker between Napoli and Atalanta. Amazing. You kept that one quiet, Eric. Yeah, oh, it's just an interesting story. I'll send you a picture. <laughs> he has a great picture of Maradona from like right up close. Oh, please, that's that was amazing. amazing. Yeah. That's amazing.
0: Definitely send that over. I also, but went yeah. to
2: Hamburg's hundredth anniversary match, friendly against Napoli.
0: Okay, very nice. Um, yeah, uh, that is our top five. We've got Michelle Platini in. No wait, that's my top five. We've got Roberto Baggio in fifth. We've got Michelle Platini in fourth. Zinedine Zidane in third, Johan Cruyff in second, and Maradona in first. Truthfully, obviously, I love Baggio. Truthfully, I think our list is probably the correct one. Uh, once you balance it all out, um, as we've done, it probably is the correct one. Um, I I do just love Roberto Baggio, and yes, just love watching his highlights. I probably, I maybe I've overrated him a little bit. I don't know, but either way, I think if I changed it, it would have suited uh, what our what our um, A final list ended up being anyway, so it doesn't really matter. Thank you very much for tuning in. Please drop a five stars. It really helps us out. Um, Yeah, drop a five stars if you can. Um, It does actually supposedly help us out. Um, So that'd be great. Um, Eric, thank you for joining. Thanks, boys. It's been a pleasure. Yes, it's it's been absolutely fantastic. Um, And we'll see you next time.